This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. Several years ago, Luke and Kate Abafi interviewed Michael Rood for their groundbreaking documentary, The Way, a story of countless believers around the world who have traded Easter ham for Passover lamb and Sunday church for Saturday Sabbath. Tonight, Behind the Scenes with Michael Rood presents for the first time the raw footage of that interview, a special two-episode series that gives you a real-life glimpse into the man behind this ministry. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalom to our fans. Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. And tonight, you will literally hear from Michael Rood. A few years ago, Michael was part of a documentary called The Way, and we got the unedited interview footage, so tonight we are going to release some of that footage, including Michael talking about his favorite Bible. That's a cool story. Uh, more about that in a second, but first, let's look at the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you see it on your screen there. The new moon was seen earlier this week, which means we are about a month away from the fall feasts. It's the first Shabbat of the sixth month. Yeah, I know already, right? And of course, all of the fall feasts of the Lord occur in the seventh month. So let's talk about that with my co-host, the Partner Service Director uh, of Arud Awakening International, David Robinson, and our special guest, Keith Johnson. Good to be here. Good to be here. I can't believe it. You, you, guys are, you guys are rock stars for Shabbat Night Live. <laughs> I can't even believe they got me a chair. I'm, I'm, really, I'm, like, I'm like feeling really excited about this. <laughs> okay, I'll pay you a little more and say that. Again. I just <laughs> painted it on thick here is what he did. Anyway. So Michael's favorite Bible. Have you heard this story about Michael's favorite Bible? Tell me it. So he has his old Bible that he bound and then rebound again. Like mm -hmm. he, liked, he liked it so much. Mm -hmm. But uh, something you're not told about in this uh, episode you'll see tonight is what happened to that Bible. So he and Anna Lil were on this tour, mm -hmm. uh, the speaking tour. I forget where they were going, but anyway, do you remember where it was, David? I, it seems like it was up north, wasn't it? Yeah, Michigan. Somewhere, they were Michigan, in Michigan. Yeah, somewhere yeah. from Michigan. So they stopped at this hotel for the night. He left the Bible in the car. Mm -hmm. It'll be okay. Well, nope. That night, somebody broke in through the, the, sunroof. the sunroof, as I yeah. recall, stole his laptop, oh, which was goodness. important enough, yeah. but then this Bible of his which had all his notes in the oh, margin boy. for like 20, 30 years, oh, man. everything he taught from in that Bible was mm. gone. Right. Mm. He never made any copies of it, never, mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. And yet, that was years ago and you would have never known from all the, the teaching Michael has done since that that was ever Right. That never happened. Well, you know, sometimes that's a good thing because you can have the same Bible for so long. You've got all these notes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes using a different Bible will give you, a, you'll see a different perspective in the scriptures. Maybe God wants to reveal something else mm -hmm. in what you have all these notes for. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to see that when you have all the notes. Mm. Yep, exactly. Now, speaking of Bibles, and uh, next month being the uh, Fall Feasts Month, mm -hmm. uh, one of the most significant Fall Feasts, of course, is the, or Fall Fast is really what it is, is yeah. Yom. Uh, Kippur. Kippur yeah. And before the cameras came on, uh, Keith, you were telling me that the book that all synagogues read uh, during the fall feast around or during, the world around the world for Yom Kippur.
tour is the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah. And you have a very special teaching on the book of Jonah yes. starting right now. It's uh, it's Sundays, yep. right? It's premiering every Sunday on a Rude Awakenings YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this series. You know what's interesting? First time I met Michael, I talked, tell this, the first time I met Michael, he was studying a Bible. And every time I've ever had con conversations with Michael, every time I've watched him, he always comes back to the Bible. I call him my fellow Bible thumper, right? <laughs> Michael's yeah. a, a Bible thumper. And so one, what I did about, I think it was about a year ago, uh, you might remember this, I actually, uh, I actually talked to Michael, it was around the time of Shavuot, and I was at the ocean with my dear friend, Nehemiah Gordon. And as I'm at the ocean, I'm out walking and I find this. Okay. It's a shark tooth. Oh, okay. It's a yeah. shark tooth. I thought it was a rocket so, first. But no, no, shark yeah. <laughs> it's like the way you're holding it. It's a shark. I guess I should put this up here. I That's don't know a which huge camera. shark it's tooth. It's a huge shark tooth. So okay. sharks are territorial, right? Yep. So this shark at one point was out there, you know, whatever. And I, I started thinking about something Michael has said to me for years, which is we've got to go to the ocean. We've got to go to the ocean. All those people out there around the world, we got to go out and get all of those people for the gospel of the kingdom. So one of the things I decided to do, Scott, is to take, I want to, I, I can say this, take the Michael approach, Bible thumping, mm -hmm. and, and do a series that gives people at what I call four different levels of their ability to study the Bible. I'm using the book of Jonah uh, partly because I was at the ocean, but partly because we also created, along with this teaching, a free, say free. Free. Say free. Free. A free biblical Hebrew audio course. Oh, wow. So people are able to study the book of Jonah, which is called, it's an easy Hebrew. So it's, it's one of those books of, of the Bible, in the mm -hmm. Hebrew Bible, it's easy Hebrew. But, but one of the things I was most excited about is when I got this shark tooth, I thought to myself, what does it look like to be a little more, if I can use the word, assertive regarding territory? Shabbat Night Live is great. You guys are great. Shabbat Night Live has put a stake down from Friday night until Saturday on YouTube, on Facebook, and everywhere else. But let's take some more territory. Hey, man, let's do yeah. that. I want Sunday afternoons. Okay. And so it. what we're going to do... <laughs> Sunday at 11, I want Sunday, that. Well, I get it at one, 1 o'clock. Sunday's yeah. at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock Eastern. 1 o'clock Eastern. Okay. The team here has done... I, I don't mind saying it. The team here <laughs> at A Root Awakening has done a phenomenal job of taking about 20, 25 minutes of a solid biblical teaching, great production, and they've got all the bells and whistles to help people learn. And so what we're going to do for the first month of September... We have, let's see, five of them right now ready. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday at one o'clock, we're going to expand the territory. We're going to go to YouTube. Do you know I found out today? Mm. I think Jacob told me this. Something like three to four billion people are on YouTube. And, and those ages, most, a lot of those ages are younger, are younger ages. So what we're in effect going to do is give people the Bible Mm -hmm. and help them interact with it at different levels and, and so that the Bible can become the real base of their faith. The biblical understanding of their faith is based in that book. So Now, you know what we need to do, though, is we need to act like those younger generations. We need to like, we need to subscribe. We need oh. to pass this on, share it on Facebook, share across platform, right? Because we want this, this series to be successful. So we need to do that so that the algorithm picks up on that and passes it to other folks. Now, here's right? what we did. We've okay. got a little promo, one-minute promo. This is great. Okay. I want We did the promo for the YouTube crowd. One-minute promo on this series that's been, I call it Jacobized, Jacob okay. is the one who said, look, we got to go to YouTube. And so we want them to see this one minute promo and we're going to, we're just going to, this whole month, we're going to, we're right. going to take back Sunday afternoon. So we'll see that in just a second. Yes. So hang on for that. So hang on for the promo. Uh, first of all, here's what you're going to see tonight from Michael Rood. 
Well, maybe we can start out. Uh, I'm just okay. okay. All right, all right. So, is this a good position to be in? Okay, I turn this off. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Uh, so let's make sure. Nobody, oh, okay, here we Nobody go. skypes me. Here. <laughs> this is on vibrate. Well, I'll just turn it down. Okay. Kill it, kill it. Sorry, I didn't get that. Go to sleep. Shut up. Go by. <laughs> Get that. I'll tell you what you didn't get, sweetheart. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? Okay, so you're going to hear that along with other things. Michael's hilarious. I love him. <laughs> anyway, so you're going to see a lot more than that tonight. Uh, behind the scenes with Michael Rood. It's awesome. For the first time, the raw footage of the interview he did for the Way documentary special two-episode series starts tonight that gives you a real-life glimpse into the man behind the ministry. Uh, and the kiddish with that guy is next. See you in two minutes. I recently visited the ocean, and all I could think about, beyond its mesmerizing beauty, was its depth. Did you know that 95% of what is called the deep ocean is still unexplored? This interesting fact inspired me to think about my Hebrew Bible. You know, the original source of Bible translations around the world. My name is Keith Johnson, founder of Biblical Foundations Academy International. I am venturing into a deep dive Bible study by combining the original language, history, and context of the book of Jonah. A deep dive Bible study into the book of Jonah with Keith Johnson. Israel has a complicated history, wars, Political tensions and moving borders have created animosity among neighbors who were once friends. Israel resident and tour operator Aaron Lipkin gives us a local's perspective on Israel's history and how current events are shaping its future. When you separate the populations in, in these different political agreements and you create this ignorance and this hatred, then that's what you get. Understanding Israel with Aaron Lipkin examines what can be done and how Yehovah's plan will restore relationships to bring all people under his reign in the promised land. This special teaching is Michael Rood's gift to thank you for supporting A Rood Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in September, we'll send you Understanding Israel on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you two gifts Understanding Israel with Aaron Lipkin, plus an authentic ram's horn shofar from Israel, just in time for the fall feasts. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts, Understanding Israel with Aaron Lipkin, the ram's horn shofar, and a custom-made wall hanging from Israel, handcrafted in the shape of the word chai, meaning life in Hebrew. This beautiful keepsake contains semi-precious stones from Israel and a blessing for everyone who enters your home. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rood Awakening International in September. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call 888-766-3610. That's 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online at monthlylovegift.com. 
The Chronological Gospels Bible is changing lives all over the world, putting everything the Messiah did in exact chronological order and explaining the behind-the-scenes truth of what the Messiah did, when He did it, and why. The timing of it all means everything. And now, the Chronological Gospels can be easier on your eyes. The larger print edition features 40% larger type, and every page appears exactly the same as the original, so you can follow along with others who have the regular size version. The Chronological Gospels larger print edition also has wider margins to write notes, and the premium quality paper means you can highlight without soaking through. Plus, the larger print edition lies flat, so you can teach without having to hold the book open. The Chronological Gospels Larger Print Edition is a big and beautiful coffee table book, measuring a full 12 inches tall and 9 inches wide. Study the Bible with clarity and ease. I love the size of this book. This is 9 by 12. The paper is, is perfect because it doesn't bleed through when I write on it. I can mark it up, and I always make notes in all my Bibles. Everything is the same place as it is on the smaller version, and I can just stand back and I can teach from it, and it's just, it's the perfect size. I pray thee, of whom speaks this prophet? Order the Chronological Gospels larger print edition by phone or online. You'll get 40% larger type than the original. Call 800-788-7887. That's 800-788-7887 or get the Chronological Gospels Bible Larger Print Edition online at arudawakening.tv slash large. On the morning that the Passover lambs were selected, there were two loaves that were put on the wall of the temple. When the first one was removed, after that, no more leavened bread was eaten. When the second loaf was removed, then all of the leavened bread in the land of Israel was then burned because the Feast of Unleavened Bread was going to commence at sunset that evening. The night before, Yeshua took artos. He took leavened bread and he blessed the Most High in the presence of his disciples and he interpreted the Kadosh Mikra, the holy rehearsal that Melchizedek put in place with Abraham. Yeshua said the prayer of the Melech Zadik, Baruch Atah Yehovah Eloheinu Melech HaAlam, Hamotzi Lechemim Haaretz. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, Yehovah, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And he said, this represents my body, which is now broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Then Yeshua took the cup and he said, Baruch Atah, Yehovah, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, Yehovah, our God, the King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And then he said, you take my cup, divide it among yourselves. I will not drink a sip of the fruit of the vine till I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. So as often as we do this now, we rehearse not only his death, but we rehearse that we will be at the marriage supper of the lamb and at the marriage supper of the lamb, he will take his cup and say, Laheim to life everlasting.
And until then, Shabbat Shalom. In case we need a prop, I think at least we have a current prop. (laughs) Push this again. That's all. Cool. Look at Chris, I got my, they rebound my Bible for me, 45 years old, and look at, you know, the pages were falling out of it, and did such a beautiful job. Oh, nice. Took them four months. But. Oh, so that's your, the Bible you've had for? 45 45 years. 45 years? Yeah, I've got I got more and more notes in the margin than it's actually in the text. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, man, I, I I can never replace this thing. So man. yeah, it just it just got back to me, and it's like, oh, yeah. wow, it's, it's it's a dearth not having that thing. <laughs> and it looks so new now. Well, yeah, well, they have to put it, I wore the you know the uh, the the goatskin cover off it and everything. I mean, it. Uh, it <laughs> was, wow. <laughs> Well, maybe we can start out. Uh, I'm just okay. okay. All right. So, is this a good position to be in? Okay, I turn this off. Uh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That's uh, let's make sure nobody okay, here nobody see. skypes me. Here. This is on vibrate. Well, I'll just turn it down. Okay. Kill it. Kill it. Sorry, I didn't get that. Go to sleep. Shut up. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Get that. I'll tell you what you didn't get, sweetheart. <laughs> the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Come on. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. How's the song of all? It sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I kind of just wanted you to keep going. (laughs) But um, uh, in order to really understand the Bible, and this has been my quest uh, from when I was uh, in second grade. That is when I got on my knees at my bed, and I remember it to to this day exactly where, when uh, that took place, that I I told the Almighty that, that I wanted to serve him the rest of my life. And uh, and so I can't give a testimony and I can't tell you about the years I spent in prison and as a drug dealer and as a, as a uh, hitman for the mafia because none of those are true. Um, I w- grew up going to church five times a week, five different services, six if you count church softball. I was the you know, captain of the, the quiz team in which we memorized entire books of the Bible, competed against other churches. Uh, my father was the, uh, even though my father's family is, is Jewish, uh, my father uh, was the Sunday school superintendent. When I was in sixth grade, he left for Grand Rapids Baptist Bible College and uh, began learning Hebrew. And so, you know, my my whole life had been in church. But uh, by the time I hit 17, that was when I was uh, I was working for my Sunday school teacher. His son was in Vietnam. Our pastor quit. He was going to uh, he he left the pastorate and he went to Vietnam as a chaplain. And my friends and the older friends and family, they were all going to Vietnam and I was next. 
And this is when life gets real serious because they're bringing back your friends, your neighbors, and body bags, and you don't know how long your life is going to last at that point. And so I really got serious about understanding and wanting to understand life. And it was at that time, I, a, a movie came out that year, Fiddler on the Roof. I went to see that movie and you know, I knew from my, my grandmother telling me and all that, you know, my family is Jewish. We, we come from Amsterdam. Um, you know, I was always planning on my first son being born. I was gonna call him Isaac Michael. So he would be I am rude. And uh, in my hometown where I, where I was born, it was I am rude. They were stationers there. But it was Isaac Michael Rude, I am rude, that built all the synagogues. He's the architect that built all the synagogues in Amsterdam. And it was uh, Anshul Rude, my great, great, great grandfather, that started the first Ashkenazi synagogue in his home. He was a Jewish cantor. And so when I sat in Fiddler on the Roof in that scene, where they are, they're having the family Sabbath together. And as the, as the lights dim down, at that moment, I, 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 just, I just broke. And I knew that I had been missing something my entire life. That the questions I started asking when I was in second grade, I, I asked my, my mother, um, you know, what is this? What, what is this Sabbath, the Sabbath? And, and she said, well, our, our ancestors, they kept the Sabbath, but now we do it on Sunday. And, and even to uh, someone that was like, you know, 10, 11 years old, her answers didn't make any sense to me. And she didn't pretend that they made any sense. It's just that, you know, we don't do it on the Sabbath anymore. The Sabbath, now we do, you know, we get to go to church on Sunday. And so when I saw that, I realized that here is something that the scripture says. This is a sign of his people. It says that we are to, to keep these commandments. I mean, you know, they are not 10 suggestions. They are not nine commandments. They're 10 commandments. And as I started reading through this, I saw in the gospels that, that back then I, I called him Jesus. And I, I say, you know, Jesus Christ saved my life. But after I got to know him, he let me know his name was Yeshua. And he asked me if I would please remember it next time I I talked to him. And so, you know, it was, uh, I, I saw that Yeshua was always keeping the Sabbath. He was constantly breaking the rules of the Pharisees. You know, my, my ancestors, he's always vehemently, repeatedly breaking the rules and regulations, but he was holding to the sanctity of the Sabbath and doing the commandments and everything he was doing. He was teaching us how to live the Torah. And, um, it was, it was that moment in time that uh, when I saw Fiddler on the Roof, I knew that there was something there that I had been missing my whole life, but I, I didn't know what it was. And so that's what began my journey. And I made a big mistake. I read the book of Acts. And there I saw Jewish followers of the Jewish Messiah who were living with the power of God, and they were doing, and ordinary people were doing signs, miracles, and wonders that, that uh, you know, different people were being communicated with, that they're not apostles. They are, they're just disciples, and yet they are receiving a revelation from heaven. They're doing things that I have never seen in now 18 years of going to church. I, I've never seen them before. And I realized this is real. Even though I've never seen these miracles, I've been to every prayer meeting at the Baptist church since I was uh, you know, in diapers. 
And all these prayer meetings, I never seen, uh, I never once saw anyone healed. But yet, I knew that this could be true. So, I thought. I looked around and I, I saw the people are 70, 80 years old. And I thought, if I just stay in this church and learn everything I can from these people, when I'm 70 years old, I'll have the same fire of God. I'll have the same passion, the, the same that, that I see in them. And so I left and never went back. I thought, I need, I need to put myself in a position where I can see these miracles happen. So I thought, I'll do the hardest thing I can think of doing. I'll join the Marine Corps. I will volunteer to go to Vietnam, and I made a, in my contract that I will go to, to Paris Island because that that's, that's the hardest training that you can go through. If I'm gonna go to war, I want to go with the warriors. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna join the Navy, the National Guard, I want, I'm gonna join the Marines. And so everyone else in Michigan that, that uh, contracted going to the Marines, they all got sent out to San Diego, Hollywood Marines, and I alone got on a plane, they sent me down to Paris Island. And uh, in my contract, uh, combat arms, so I was sure to go to, to Vietnam. And so after, after boot camp, went out for training in uh, San Onofre out in California. And at the end, we just sat there waiting for orders for two weeks. And during that time, President Nixon, who actually had his home right outside the base in San Clemente, called up the Commandant and said, no more Marines are going. We're, you know, this is the time that, that uh, no, no other Marines were going in. And we started pulling out at that time. And so I ended up uh, Cecil Field, Florida, you know, uh, nuclear convoys, uh, working for the State Department, uh, Marine Security Guard Battalion, and then finally 2nd Marine Division. And uh, the, the miracles that transpired while I was on this journey, though, uh, the last two years, the Marine Corps paid me to teach the Bible. Uh, there, there were healings that took place, miraculous things that took place, and while I was on a, a, a Caribbean cruise, a revival broke out on the ship, and we had what the chaplain says was the largest peacetime baptism that had ever been done in the history of the Navy, because the Navy is the one who provide the chaplains for the Marines. And so I got back, and uh, they decided that uh, you know this is gonna be my job. So they gave me the job of teaching the Bible. They put me in charge of the base chapel there, and uh, I had three chaplains that I worked with during this period of time, but I ran the base chapel, and uh, we had uh, a fellowship there and also at my home and the uh, the base chaplain actually came to the fellowship at my house. He went and spoke to the uh, chaplain at uh, 2nd Marine Division and he said um, th th it's time to get all the chaplain's assistants and I was over them for the uh, the 8th Marine Regiment. That's where I was, uh, as Camp Geiger. And he said uh, I realized that, that my assistant knew more about the Bible than I did. And so, you know, he started to come to the fellowships at my place. Then we began to work together the, for the next few years. And that is when things really changed because um, it, it was the real key was going back, not from a Gentile perspective that I've been raised in my whole life, but then I started to go back to the perspective of my, my ancestors. But there was something that I understood that that it seems to be evading a lot of people out there. The traditions that we now have in modern day Judaism are not what we did in the temple. 
They are simply reminders of what we did in the temple. After the temple was destroyed, then these different traditions developed. And it took hundreds of years for many of these traditions to develop. The, the kippa is uh, something that came out hundreds of years later, and it is a symbol that you are under the authority of the rabbis. Well, I'm not under the authority of the rabbis, for one thing. And so that's why I don't wear a kippah. You know, Yeshua said, do not, as it says in the Hebrew Matthew, and this is one of the things I, you know, that I always uh, keep uh, uh, keep here on, uh, on Jefferson's uh, uh, library here, uh, the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew very clearly says, Yeshua says in Matthew 23, do not follow the Takanot and Masim of the Pharisees. They say they follow Moses, they don't do what Moses says to do. See, and I understood that because... Unless you understand Phariseeism, which is modern-day Judaism, you don't realize that it is a religion that is made up by adding thousands of commandments and removing commandments. And this is exactly what we see Yeshua speaking about and confronting them on. They say, in English, it says, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? In Hebrew, it is takanot. Takanot is legally defined in the Encyclopedia Judaica as laws enacted by the Pharisee rabbis which change or negate biblical law. But yet Moses says no one is ever allowed to add one single commandment or diminish one single commandment so that you may keep all the commandments of Yahovah your Elohim. See, once you add to or subtract from, you no longer have the commandments of God. You have the beginning of a man-made religion. And that is exactly what Phariseeism is. That is the world that I came out of. Okay, I'm I'm I am twice removed from that world, but I still know these rules and regulations that were enacted by the Pharisees. This is what Yeshua is hammering against, and he is deliberately violating those rules and regulations. Most people, when they they read the the New Testament, I, you know, actually my my Bible, I I have divided up here. You know, here's the Torah. The five Gospels and the Acts. You know, when you read the five Gospels and the Acts, you know, we may be reading uh, the, the Greek New Testament, but still it is describing a Hebrew culture. You know, these may be Greek words, but the, the culture is still a world that is dominated by Phariseeism. We have the, the writings of the Pharisees that go back 300 years before the birth of Yeshua. And so Phariseeism is a world that he's born into, but Phariseeism is kind of uh, uh, a, a figure today of every man-made religion out there where they've made up their own stuff. The Christian church adds to, subtracts from. It just depends on what, what rules and regulations people want to follow to where what congregation they feel comfortable in. If they don't like the rules and regulations here, they move across to the next street corner with another you know, stained glass of building. And okay, I like these rules better. But has the Almighty, has, has he not laid down his instructions that don't add, don't subtract. And that's why in the New Testament, it says that uh, the, the, the Torah, the commandments in the Torah, they're, they're not grievous. They're, they're not difficult. Really, they are not difficult. Look how thin this is. You know, according to the rabbis, there are only 613 commandments here. And we've got 2.4 million commandments in America that you get thrown in jail if you break. 613, and most of them don't apply. Some just to children, some just to women, some just to men, some only if you're a Levite among men, and others only if you are the Kohen Gadol. On the Day of Atonement does it even apply. 
So what we are given, the instructions of the Almighty, these are the things that are being left behind by the modern religion of this world. They want to take out numbered sound bites out of, out of the epistles, out of letters that, that Shaul, Paul wrote, and they don't even realize that he's quoting directly from the Torah and the prophets. And unless you have that context, his letters don't make any sense. You know, and people will take little numbered sound bites, they call verses, strip them completely out of context and reinterpret them from a Gentile perspective. I say, let the Jews interpret the scriptures the Jews have written, and I'll leave plenty of time at the end of anything I do for the Gentiles to interpret all the scriptures the Gentiles wrote. Well, it didn't take a whole lot of time for them to realize, well, the Gentiles didn't write any scriptures. But... Um, but it's that, that background of understanding that the traditions of modern Judaism are not what we did in the temple. And that's why uh, this is, uh, I just brought this back, this is Carte Illustrated Encyclopedia of the Holy Temple. And I have been teaching things that appear in this book. I was teaching them 20 years before they ever uh, published this book because the the, not only the rabbis, but the Kohanim in Israel, Miro Cohen, who is the uh, the uh, remaining sheep herder in Tekoa, where Amos was a, a shepherd, you know, his family are Kohanim. They are priests. And in their family, uh, history, lineage, and, and what they train up each generation is what we did in the temple. And so I have spent, I couldn't even count the hours. I, I literally lived in the sheep caves of Tekoa inside a tent and would visit Miro Cohen every day in a sheepfold and talk about these things that now appear in the uh, Carta Encyclopedia concerning the temple treasures. Because it's what we did in the temple. These are the prophetic shadow pictures of good things to come that, that Paul, Shaul, spoke of. The Feast of the Lord is something that's been stripped from all of Gentile Christianity. We have basically inherited Christmas, which is the rebirth of Nimrod as little baby Tammuz on December 25th, which is the uh, winter solstice on the ancient Babylonian calendar before the procession of the equinoxes. Look it up in any encyclopedia Judaica, and they'll tell you that, that Mithra, the Roman sun god, is born on December 25th. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't take Einstein. It's Encyclopedia Britannica Jr. even. I mean, this is just elementary history, and then you find out that Easter is the name of Nimrod's reincarnated wife, Samaramus, who was sent back from heaven on the first Sunday after the vernal equinox uh, in a giant egg which plummeted in the Euphrates River. The egg broke open and out emerges Samaramus reincarnated as Easter, the bare-breasted sex goddess who turns a bird into an egg-laying rabbit. Now tell me, what does that have to do with the Bible? Nothing. It's Babylonian sun worship, but this is what we inherited through Rome. And just as the prophets say, and this is really my ministry, this is the basis of the Hebrew roots and, and why we are going back to the ancient past, is Jeremiah prophesied of this day that Israel would come back into their land in the last days against all odds, just impossible. But yet, on May 15, 1948, the 
prophecy of Isaiah was fulfilled. Israel became a nation in one day, something has never been heard of in the history of the world. And it was on, according to the ancient calendar, on the seventh Sabbath of the counting of the Omer, what we were told to do forever. Each one of these feasts are prophetic shadow pictures. We're told to do it forever because he didn't want us to miss this. And the Almighty is still fulfilling his ancient prophecies according to that calendar. The modern day Jewish calendar was invented in 359 of the Common Era right down below my house in, uh, in, in Tiberias. That's why they invented it in 359 and said, we're going to keep this calendar till the Messiah comes. You know, we're going to get thrown out of the land. We're not going to be able to inspect the Aviv. There's no one that's going to be here to sight the moon and declare the new moon. But yet we came back into the land. These things are now restored in the land of Israel. And the even the, the Sanhedrin is using my calendar, which I've been publishing for 20 years, and I'm the only uh, Messianic member of the Israeli New Moon Society, which is is putting back together that ancient reckoning of time, and even they are going back to that reckoning of time to, to, because they understand that this is the Creator's reckoning. And so Israel becomes a nation in one day on the seventh Sabbath of the county of Omer, fulfilling that prophecy. And what is happening in the world is, and as Jeremiah said, that the Gentiles will come to Israel from the ends of the earth. They will cry out in repentance for the abominations they inherited from their forefathers. Shall a man worship a God that is, is not? You know, you're going to do these uh, abominations? And yes, we have inherited things that are not of God at all. We've inherited Babylonian sun worship, and it says the Gentiles will cry out in repentance. Because that's all you can do. When you inherit that, you know, a pot-bellied man in a cherry red suit drops through a chimney and delivers presents to you under an evergreen tree festooned with gold and silver balls on December 25th, when you're three years old, you can't argue with your mother. But then after a while, you find out, hey, you know, you start counting and, and you, 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 the debates among your classmates rage in kindergarten, you come home, mother, where will the lies end? You know, you've been lied to. You inherited it. And so, you know, the tears fall because you, you find out that you believed a lie. Well, it's, it's true, even more true in the world of religion. We have inherited lies, and the Almighty says the Gentiles will cry out in repentance when they find out. And that when they find out, then, and they repent, it says the Almighty says, I'll make known my hand and my might. And even the Gentiles will know that my name is the Lord. <laughs> Wait, just a minute. The Lord is not even a name. You know, because in, in King James, L-O-R-D in all capitals, in the Hebrew, it is yod heh vav -Hey. That is his name. And one of the great things, even though I pronounced it Yahweh a million and six times, yet the research and what's come out with the ancient Hebrew texts that have been discovered where the scribes accidentally put in the third vowel pointing, now we, now we know, according to the scholars at Hebrew University, that the name should be pronounced Yodhe with the three vowels as Yehovah. And so that is why I changed. And uh, as a matter of fact, this brings us full circle to what I saw when I was 17 years of age. Where are the miracles? We got together right here in our office. We have uh, 30 people on staff, and one of our staff members, her cousin, brain dead. Her body is on ice. They're going to harvest her organs. Someone slipped her a Mickey at some kind of wild party. She's brain dead. She's been on ice, and, they, and, and so I prayed. I said, if you want your name to be known, 
that is Yehovah, I am praying that this woman is raised from the dead. That's a testimony to us, a testimony to me, and a testimony to her family. We prayed. Then we found out what happened the next day. They're going to unplug her. They decided, the family said, we don't want our two-year-old son to say goodbye to an ice-cold cadaver. Warm her body back up. We'll bring her son in, say goodbye. The whole family's gathered together. This is the end. They're going to immediately, because they warm up, they're going to harvest her organs right after they leave the room. They warm her body back up. Their two-year-old son comes in. The whole family's there. He kisses her on the cheek. She opens her eyes and walks out of the hospital the next week. I'll tell you, this, this is the power of God alive in this generation. This is God calling his people back to his word to see the miracles because he can't trust us with the miracles, and that's why people do this fake stuff. He can't trust us because we're not obedient to his word. We have reaped all the curses that the, the Torah says will come upon you if you don't obey this. Everyone who is outside of the works of the law is under a curse. That's what it says in, in Deuteronomy, and that's what it says in Galatians. And it quotes Deuteronomy right there, but they mistranslated it. All those that are of the works of the law, no, it is ek. All who are outside of the works of the law are under a curse, just like it says. And so the whole Christian world has been given a religion that they're, oh, no, no, the, 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 the Torah, the commands have been nailed to the cross. And so what do we see? A, an entire civilization, our entire country, now shootings, murdering in schools is coming. It's commonplace. It, it's the slaughter of the weak. Why? Because we stripped the commandments off the walls of the churches before the government started stripping them off the walls of the public building. When's the last time you walked into a church and saw the Ten Commandments? They don't exist anymore. And you leave out the commandments of Almighty God, you make up your own rules and regulations, you end up with churchianity. And that is why it says, right in the first century, Jude says, to earnestly contend for the faith once delivered to the saints because it had already been so eroded by the first century. What we have inherited has nothing to do with the power that they walked in, has nothing to do with that faith originally delivered to the saints, and that's why we're going back to that. My, my, my granddaughter asked me, uh, I said, uh, Sama, which in Japanese means pickled mackerel, but uh, in Hebrew it's grandfather. Uh, she said, Saba, what, what's your favorite Bible verse? I said, well, Yeshua, it's in the middle of the winter. Yeshua's down the Dead Sea Valley, and he's having dinner at a Pharisee's house. And the Pharisee said, uh, are you, why do you constantly insult us? And then the Sadducees, that same meal, said, are you going to insult us too? And he turns right around and insults them. That's my favorite verse because that's Yeshua. It's not an eight-pound, six-ounce baby, okay? He is in your face. He, he said, do not think that I came to bring peace. No, you, you get it all wrong. I came to bring a sword of division. I'm going to separate husbands from wives, sons and daughters from their parents. I came to bring a sword of truth, and that is the Messiah. See, a lot of people... You know, think the messianic movement. You know that you know they want to herald Yeshua as the Messiah. Wonderful, I, that he is. But he didn't come the first time to reign as a conquering king and as a Messiah. He came the first time as the prophet that Moses prophesied. Deuteronomy 18 is the messianic prophecy. 
He said that the Almighty was going to, in the future, was going to send the prophet, we must shema, we must hear and obey. And most people pay no attention to what Yeshua says. Oh, they want to listen to Paul and they want to strip his words out of context and, and build a whole religion out of this. No, what about what, about what Yeshua says? You know, that's it. You know, this is what he said. Teach what I taught, but nobody's teaching it. First of all, in order to understand Yeshua, you have to understand first century Phariseeism. The rules and regulations they invented, because if you don't understand what they made up and what he is breaking, you, like most Gentiles, will think that he's violating the Torah. You think because they say he's breaking the Sabbath, he's breaking the Sabbath? No, he's breaking their rules that they added concerning the Sabbath. And this is what the Gentile world doesn't understand. This is why it says the Torah will go out of Jerusalem. His instructions will go out of Zion. And so when I travel around the world, I say, okay, I know you learned your churchianity from America. We're going to go right straight from Jerusalem. I'm going to go right straight to your heart. Disregard everything you think you know about the Bible because I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm going to teach you what Yeshua taught, and it changes people's lives. The Holy Spirit is waking people up all over the world. And it's, you know, I look at it as uh, when, when Joshua came across this, uh, this angel and he said, uh, are you for us or the enemy? And he said, neither. I, I am the angel of Yahweh. You better be on his side. So, you know, what we do is attempt to, to be on his side in moving with what Peter called this present truth. You know, what is being revealed right now? And uh, one of the, the, the greatest things that, that is happening since Israel became a nation in one day, the greatest archaeological finds in the history of planet Earth are now coming out. And the, the real Mount Sinai has been found. A virus in Egypt now has been unearthed. This is where Israel was, was in the land of Goshen. Now this stuff is coming out in movies. It is coming out across the way. Thankfully, he's long-suffering. He doesn't destroy every wicked city or every wicked nation immediately. And to prove that, I, I saw Washington, D.C. on television last night. It's still there. Amazing. Unbelievable. <laughs> so um, you kind of talked a little about your own rude awakening. Was, was that when you were 17 and you saw Fiddler on the Roof, or was it later? Yeah. No, that was... Yeah, That's that was, when you realized that churchianity was just that and that there was more to it? Well... When when I saw that, that scene of Pillar of the Roof, that is just what sparked it at that time. Then I started going back and and, and I was reading when I, when I read the Bible and when I read the Gospels, I start with Matthew one one and I go all the way through the second chapter of the book of Acts. I mean, that's Yeshua's ministry. I, I don't stop. I don't I don't do devotional. I bury myself in it. And I've had the opportunity rare as it is, you know, post-20, Guantanamo Bay. I mean, unless we're being attacked or rescuing those who have made it through the minefields, you know, I've got days, weeks, months to read the Bible. I have been able to be in seclusion for literally years and do nothing but read and research the Bible. Not too many people get that opportunity. Usually uh, what we do is we go to a theological cemetery and we, we, we get enough background in Greek and Hebrew in order to begin working it. But then we, we, when we graduate, we get a job title, which should be described as raising the dead one day a week. 
That should be, you know, what they say. You got a job, raise the dead. One day we get out there and see what you can do. And, uh, and so most people just get buried in that because there's just so much responsibility, so much weighing on you. But uh, through the years, I've had the opportunity to have the, the, the years to be able to put into, into research. And see, most people go to a seminary because they want answers. But we find out that all we're given is the information to promulgate our particular denomination. That's what you get. It's an indoctrination into that. And it's very disappointing. The question I asked when I was in second grade, walking out of the Easter service on our way home to eat ham on Easter Sunday, I asked the pastor, how do you get three days and three nights between Good Friday and Sunday morning? And, you know, uh, 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 that's about the most intelligent answer I got for a long time. And later I I could more fully articulate, how do you get three days and three nights from Good Friday when Dagon the Syrian fish goddess worship, where I grew up eating fish on Friday in public school, until Easter Sunday when Nimrod's wife was reincarnated as a bare-breasted sex goddess who turned a bird into an egg-laying rabbit. And furthermore, when they came to the grave, it was still dark and it was already empty. How do you get three days and three nights from late Friday afternoon to before sunrise? Because it's the most repeated prophecy in all the Bible. Yeshua says it more than he says anything else, and he says, furthermore, there's, there you get one sign and only one sign. It's the sign of the prophet Jonah. And yet we go to seminary, and we can't even count to three when we come out. Why? We've been raised in a Gentile world with a pagan calendar, and that is when I started to to go back and understand, okay, the biblical calendar is different. It's different than the modern Jewish calendar. And it took 30 years, and this was why for the last 20 years I, I published the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. This is the calendar that the rabbis get in Israel with the projections of the uh, the sighting of the first sliver of the new moon. Uh, and no one was even thinking about this when we were doing this now 38 years ago. But it was because I was putting together at that point the chronological gospels which is in my briefcase. <laughs> the chronological gospel just got back from the, uh, the the big weekend. But to put every event in Yeshua's life and ministry with every word from every gospel author in chronological order according to the ancient biblical calendar, according to the Feast of the Lord, and again, this is what most people never see uh, from the Gentile world, is that Yeshua is either going up to the feast, he's at the feast, coming back from the feast, getting ready for the next feast, and everything that he teaches along the way is it, it's just, it, it's all cause and effect. And see, when we are given the Bible in little numbered sound bites, you know, someone reads a sentence and then expounds on it with sometimes complete idiocy, you know, take it completely out of context and spiritualizing it to where it makes no sense at all. Instead of that, you know, when you understand it in context, because time is the context, it's the ultimate context. Without time order sequence, you don't have cause and effect. You've got numbered sound bites that can be stripped from the context, and you can make any kind of insane doctrine that you want to out of it. There's enough lumber in this book to build a case for anything, and that's what people do. They just strip it out instead of it. Every single word, everything has to fit. 
And if one, if there's one thing that disproves what you think, that means you have to throw out what you think. You're wrong. Now, it doesn't mean that your particular version is going to be correct. That's why I've got numerous Greek and Hebrew texts that, that, that's always right here in front of me. I mean, you know, 212 figures of speech in the Bible, you gotta have access to these figures of speech and to know what is going on in order to, to understand these things. You know, it's, the, the Bible was not written in King James English. Uh, Moses did not give the commandments, uh, you know, in, in the Queen's English. You know, we, we've got to get back to, to the source. And once we do, and once we admit that, you know, we don't know it all, and it, it's, uh, that's when the Holy Spirit can begin leading us. And as Yeshua said, that he would send the Spirit to lead us into all truth. We weren't born with it. We didn't inherit it. We will be led into it. But this is the important thing. See, Yeshua is the prophet we must hear and obey. And he said, you will only get as much truth as you'll obey. Hmm. If you don't obey the truth that you have, then even the truth you have will be taken from you. That is a threat. That's not a promise, that's a threat. I'm gonna give you the truth. This is not entertainment, it's not religion, it, this is not, you know, this is not written so you can you make up your own stuff. This is the truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them, set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is truth. He's given us his word, and this is what will set us free from religion. And that's what Yeshua set us free from, religion. Happened to be Phariseeism then. The Zedekim, the priesthood, had their own take on things. But, you know, the, the, or the, uh, the, the Prushim really were the ones that had reshaped the entire religious landscape by the first century in Israel. It defines all Judaism today. The Zedakim, you know, I know Zedakim. I know priest, uh, Kohanim uh, of Israel. And they're in, there's a lot of conflicts in Israel. I mean, Judaism is not, you know, one solid body, everyone thinking and believing the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of fighting going on there. Because the Zedakim, uh, still, Zedakim uh, uh, Feast of Shavuot is on a different date than the Prashim. And so in Jewish calendars, they have two different dates there because they have to recognize the Zadokim priesthood Sadducees have one date, and that's the biblical date, and then the Pharisees admitted that they changed it. They changed so many things because they made up their own religion. How do you think we have Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, on the first day of the seventh month? First day of the seventh month, doesn't that already tell you it's the seventh month? But yet the Pharisees themselves will tell you that's, a, that's a, a tradition that the rabbis put in place. The first month is really the month of the Aviv, the month of the Aviv barley. So going back to the, the calendar and restoring the calendar is what it took to be able to put the Gospels in chronological order, in every single word. Once it's in order, then you get to see things that you never, ever would imagine. And that's why it's a Hebrew perspective, not a Jewish perspective. And that's an important difference to make because we've got, you know, there's this cult, this Messianic Judaism out there, which is basically taking accoutrements of Phariseeism and adopting them. The very things that Yeshua said don't do, they are taking these things and doing them because it makes them feel more Jewish. They think they're going to win other Jews because they're doing these things. Oh, we're all the same. Well, if we're all the same, then where's the sword that Yeshua put down? No, this is the truth. This is religion. 
And so people keep on wanting to muddle that thing up instead of holding it down.